Welcome to season two of Invested in Our New Reality, a podcast for business leaders and entrepreneurs navigating the COVID-19 pandemic. My name is Siobhan Hassel-McIntosh. I'm the diversity and belonging lead at Shopify, as well as a member of the board of directors for Invest Ottawa. And I'm really glad that you've chosen to join us for today's conversation. Companies around the globe have spent 2020 reacting and adapting to COVID-19. And now businesses are cautiously looking to what's next. And that's why we've launched Invested in Our New Reality. We want to provide a space for the Ottawa business community to speak candidly about the challenges and opportunities they face during these unprecedented times. And we also want to arm listeners with practical advice on how to innovate and thrive through crisis. Artificial intelligence is a huge topic these days because AI is a part of almost everything we do as a society. Today, we're looking at just one more way that AI makes its mark. And to do that, I'm joined by Dr. Ali Ardakani, the co-founder and CEO of Meta Innovation Technologies. Meta is a tech company providing software solutions for training and AI augmented analytics to the oil, gas, and mining industries. Ellie herself is a geoscience advisor, a high-tech entrepreneur, and marketing enthusiast. She's also a part of the first SheBoot cohort, organized by Invest Ottawa and the Capital Angel Network. And she is the 2020 Bootstrap Award winner as a founder of the year. I'm really delighted to have Ellie here today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Shav. No problem. So Ali, tell us about Meta. What is it and what pain point does it address for clients in the oil, gas, and mining industries? Absolutely, for sure. So Meta is a creator of MetaKinetic, which, as you mentioned before, is an AI augmented analytics and simulation-based learning platform for the energy sector and mining industry. Our product maximizes data acquisition analytics return on investment and boosts staff communication and performance. So let me just give you a little bit of an example of what that means. So as you know, data is kind of revolutionizing the way we conduct business in all the industries around us in our daily lives. However, data acquisition and processing in some of the industries, such as energy sector, comes with a hefty ticket price and is a huge investment, something in order of billions of dollars per year. In the last decade or so, and thanks to the advancement of data recording tools by manufacturers, this sector called millions of terabytes of data, but little attention went toward algorithms and visualization tools that can actually help them to interpret and make sense of these data sets and really link them to to business value. Um, so, and this is where MetaKinetic comes in. This platform bridges between geology and completion engineering um, using geophysical data sets to arrive at informed decisions that, you know, shortens and optimizes project life cycles. And along with that, we make sure that everybody, all of the stakeholders in the projects um, here, I mean, the, the staff with different backgrounds, are kept on the same page with access to the simulation-based learning and development extension of the platform that we have developed. Awesome. And, you know, we're all moving through pandemic times. So how has the pandemic affected how Meta does business and how it interacts with its clients? 
Yeah, obviously the the pandemic affected everyone's life and you know the way that the businesses conduct business um well first of all my heart just goes to the people who were affected personally um they lost loved ones, you know, they lost jobs, they they really went through a lot of trouble through this time. Um but in terms of the business, I guess for for us at Meta our primary sector that we are serving is oil and gas and oil and gas unfortunately was one of the industries that was hit hard the most because of the imbalance of supply and demand um, due to the pandemic so but it is during these strange times that real relationships with clients actually takes shape so we did our best to support our existing clients and invested heavily in creating new relationships with um providing technical support technical presentations free consultations and a lot of promotions that we had around our products and in addition we we started to support you science and engineering departments in the transition to online courses for this fall because we know that a lot of the students are not going back to school and um we know that you know they can have a little bit of a help here and there our platform is very very specialized is mostly geosciences and engineering so these were the departments that we could actually you know offer help to so we actually offered our digital simulation based learning platform um to profs and students that are taking courses in these departments and it's going to be online and it turned out that it was a big hit so this fall we have quite a number of universities across north america that are taking advantage of our offerings. Um I think that the point that I'm trying to make here is that you know we tried not to lose focus, um see the bigger picture and figure out how to position our offerings in a way that can benefit clients but also in the bigger picture the society uh, and not just during the pandemic but also beyond pandemic. So we build relationships that can be harvested you know down the road after the pandemic and i think that's very valuable to me yeah and it's seeming like you've been innovating and thinking outside of the box because of pandemic but like you said it won't limit that you'll continue to innovate and think of new ways to build relationships after yeah absolutely and i i i think that that's the key to to businesses and especially for tech startups that survive this really really unprecedented times because it doesn't happen you know every year to everyone right and i hope that this is the only time that happens during our lifetime meta prides itself on innovation and it's working with clients and in industries that are really being forced to evolve and adapt how are you handling this you spoke to it a little bit before about innovating but like maybe we can expand and give a couple more examples or some examples of how your clients are evolving and adapting Yeah, that's for sure. Um honestly, we are quite lucky in that sense. Um as our products are in line with the digital transformation movement that has been going on uh, for a while now. It's a hot topic really in such ancient industries like oil and gas and mining and pandemic. To be honest with you, as traumatizing as it is, um it actually accelerated the transition dramatically. So we are kind of in a very good spot our products actually are in line with the corporate objectives and that's a really big deal when you're actually putting out a piece of technology stack out there for adoption 
And I call this kind of a silver lining, one of the silver mm-hmm. lining that this pandemic actually had. We saw an uptick in inquiries that we got regards to our products. To me, that's very promising. Um, and that is, since these industries are figuring out how they need to evolve and the way that they are evolving, it has to be from the roots mm-hmm. to ensure the success in the future. So the, the adoption and being in line with the corporate objectives is really important uh, for the technology to, to come in and you know take away the old processes yeah. and replace them and reshape them. But obviously, as any other trillion dollar industry, a change and adoption doesn't happen overnight, right? Yeah. So uh, we got to have to be a little bit patient, but, you know, we are very, very optimistic about at least our products and where we are standing right now. But I'm sure that there are so many other innovators in this space um, that I'm lucky to work with them or, you know, they are really trailblazers. Um, they are they are killing it out there or helping these industries to to evolve the way that they should. I love that. I'm going to change topics slightly. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about Shiboot. So like I mentioned in the intro, you're part of the first Shiboot cohort. Can you tell us what Shiboot is and why you're so excited to be involved? Um, so Shiboot is an exciting, very exciting initiative. So in terms of what it is, um, it, it technically is um, an initiative to put women founders uh, or female founders in the front line for raising investment for their companies in tech or not in tech. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, the, the movement has actually started with, you know, Capital Angel Network and Invest Ottawa coming together and putting their thoughts together and thinking about, you know, the, the problem that we have right now of, you know, gender diversity in general. And I think, you know, you are in tech, um, you know, better than me that there are not a lot of females in, in leading roles um, in this industry. So um, one of the things that I'm really excited about Shiboot is that it's pretty much the first one, um, the first program that came out that goes under the initiative of gender diversity. Meta is three year old and I've been places through the journey that I had with my startup. Um, and you don't see a lot of female founders being out there or really shaping the, what they think that it's their mission and their vision. And it's, it's a little bit unfair, but at the same time, you know, there are some, some issues like systemic bias and those sort of things that comes into play. And I think Shibut is kind of hitting all the marks um, with, you know, not just promoting the female founders, not just promoting the female investors and getting them to invest as many as, you know, if, if, even if you look at the surveys and data, you can see how uh, the number of male investors are way more than female investors. And I don't understand why, but um, I think Shibut is kind of hitting all the marks for both sides and um, creating kind of a balanced environment, which is perfect to me. The other thing that I think she is really um, going to, to be influential here is to create those relationships. I always say that building a business from ground up takes a village. It's not a one-man job. Um, no one person can do it all. So, um, you know, everybody takes a role. And community is part of it, you know, and creating that community that can create support 
for the female founders or the ones that are actually going after the initiatives that they think that it's it's worth to pay attention to, um, I think that's a big deal. And that's what Shibut is doing. And I'm really excited to be part of the cohort and just get to know everyone and um, work with them, learn from some of the leaders. You know, they, they build businesses, they exited those businesses successfully. Those experiences and just sharing them with, um, you know, the younger generations, that's, that's a big deal. So, yeah, as you said, it is a very exciting program and it will be starting in September. So we're really looking forward to it. Awesome. And I, I totally agree with you. Sheboot is not only creating this program, but creating community, supporting women founders fiscally as well and programmatically, but they're also raising awareness to the issues that are systemic for women founders and asking other investors, other, you know, organizations who create this type of programming to support entrepreneurs to do better. And I love that they're solving for the systemic issues, but they're also, you know, creating the programs and community and all those things you said. So I'm excited for it to start, even though I'm not enrolled and to just pay attention to like all of the great work and all the great businesses who will be even better coming out of it. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And I'm going to stay on the topic of women founders. I think it's safe to say that women founders of high high-tech firms, especially those dealing with the oil, gas, and mining industries are not yet the norm. What lessons have you learned and what message do you have for other women entrepreneurs who are forging their own paths like within the industry? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, <laughs> oil and gas and mining are, are very, very male-dominated industries. Um, and, you know, even in these days, whenever that we are going to shows and trade shows and conferences um, and we have a booth and somebody's asking for the CEO um, or, you know, the person who is running the show, it takes them a moment to think of, okay, you know, a female can actually lead this company who's not maybe a senior person. It takes them a little bit of a time to think about the opportunities that can exist and can come into the industry with, with the presence of uh, female founders and innovators. So it's, it's not a very easy industry to deal with. Um, but I believe that if, you know, for women, if they are confident in what they are providing and what they are building, the path will, will show up. And as female founders um, within such industries, you would not see a lot of support right at the beginning. But as you get traction and you show them that you actually built something that's worth paying attention to, the situation is going to change. And my hope is, um, and you know, I'm involved with a lot of groups. Um, I'm actually the chair of Women Network for Global Society of um, Exploration Geophysicists. And what I really want to promote is that you can't be afraid of the environment that is surrounding you. You have to be brave enough to go and say, hey, like this is my goal and I'm going to achieve my goal and stick to it. And at some point it's going to happen. Yeah, it will probably going to take more patience. It's, it's probably going to take a lot of work but it will happen. And I really hope that for the younger generations that come to, you know, STEM related fields, like what I did, they can see that there are more options for them rather than just, you know, going to a corporate and do a job as a geophysicist or geoscientist. 
they can actually build businesses, they can lead businesses. Um, and that's what I'm really hoping for. And I think that these industries need a lot of change, need a lot of change of mindset. And there are a lot of things that can be improved, but it has to start from somewhere. And I'm hoping that I'm helping with these cause and I'm pushing it forward. That, that makes me happy to feel about it that way. Absolutely. You're definitely like charting the path and inspiring other women to get into STEM, to start their own businesses, to, like you said, not just take the traditional path. I just have like one random quick question. How did you get into this? Did you go to school and then see a gap in the market? Like what inspired you to become a tech entrepreneur? So I got a PhD in geophysics. So I've been, you know, a very long time I was in academia. I worked um, off and on between my degrees. So between my bachelor degree and master degree. After my PhD, I've worked in a research and development position with a service company that we were, we were acquiring geophysical data sets. And I was in charge of coming up with new products, new algorithms that can actually help the operators to get value out of the data that we were acquiring. Um, and after a couple of years, I felt like I want to do more. Like, this is really exciting and I want to get into it a little bit more. And, you know, you worked in corporates. Change doesn't happen overnight. And if you come up with really good ideas, even though they are good ideas, you can't really go and focus on it and build it out. So the only way that I could do it, it was to quit my job. So I literally quit a very cushy job which, you know, it, it, was, it was a really good job. It provided a lot of opportunities for me, but I felt like that there is a gap between what the service provider gets millions of dollars to acquire and what the operator does with it. Usually it just goes to a data storage and that's it. Nothing really happens. They don't use the data the way that they should. So yeah, so I pulled the plug and I started this business and it's been, it's been going it's been fun. It's a really uh, great journey. But at the same time, it's like it comes with its struggles. And yeah. you know, one thing that we didn't mention through this conversation was the fact that I'm an immigrant, right? So for women of color, for mm-hmm. people who have accents, uh, for people who look different yeah. from you know, the normal Caucasian, it's even harder for sure to push through. And I think that that's one of the things that I really like about some of the things that Invis Ottawa is putting out there. And, you know, you're part of it, you know that. Um, that that's really awesome because it, it shows that, hey, like you've got to pay attention to diversity. You've got to pay attention to systemic bias because it's going to reduce the number of opportunities that we're going to have in the future. Thank you so much for being here today. It's such a great way to end our conversation on that aspirational and inspirational note. And thank you for being a part of Invested in Our New Reality, Ellie. It was a pleasure to talk to you. And I hope that, um, you know, this. I think this podcast is a really good way to show how businesses are weathering the storm right now. Yes. Um, and I think we all learn from each other. Um, I think that that's, that's perfect. And I really appreciate the time that you took to have a conversation with me. No problem. I also want to give a big shout out to our terrific loyal listeners for being with us. As you know, all episodes of Invested in Our New Reality are available on the Invest Ottawa website, on Spotify, and on iTunes. Of course, we have a new episode of Invested in Our New Reality coming up next week. And I look forward to speaking with you then. But for now, I'm Siobhan Haswell-McIntosh, and I hope you stay strong, stay healthy, and stay safe. 